Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Hello, everyone. Uh, Andy Richter here with another uh, episode of the Three Questions podcast. And today I uh, will be talking to a very, very funny stand-up comedian uh, named Taylor Tomlinson, um, who was was Conan your first TV appearance? Um, I had done Last Comic Standing and Comedy Central before that, but oh, it was okay. my first late night. Yeah, it was my first late night. So I'm still going to say that we gave you your career. As you should. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, the first, it was the first TV appearance that I like really wanted. It was the first time I was on TV where I was like, oh my gosh, I've been dreaming about this moment for oh, years. Oh, that's great. Was, how was Last Comic Standing? How was doing that? Um, was it okay? It was, was like fine. anything else? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it was kind of what it was. I was very young, and I think that's probably why I went as far as I did on that show because mm-hmm. people are just impressed you can do anything uh, at 21. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know that it was like a reflection of how great I was that I did well on that show. I think it was mostly just uh, casting, to be honest, but it was no. Fine. Well, okay, I'm going to say that's crazy because you, <laughs> you, no, you have, you're very funny. You have made a really, uh, great material and if anything i think it's not just it's because there seems to be a like a preternatural ability to observe and interpret and you know regurgitate just life and things you know you have a you have a, a wisdom beyond your years as they say as the memes say so yeah no i think i don't think it was just cuz you were young i think it was cuz you're young and good. And I think that if you'd been five years older, you probably would have done just as well. Oh, that's very nice. I mean, it's one of those things where like, it's so, it was like a hundred comedians or something. Yeah. Like it was so many. So it's all so subjective and it's like anything in this business where it's not just that you're good at stand up. It's like four other things as well that your success depends on. Yeah. Yeah. So I try, I try to keep a, a realistic, perspective on all of it yeah is it still fun for you do you still i'm I, I we're talking on zoom and i can see you in a in a very narrow little hotel room in oklahoma city mm-hmm. and uh having spent a lot of time in narrow little hotel rooms not in oklahoma city so much but i know that the, that life in hotel room to hotel room can be it can get heavy you know it can get to be a drag and and i wonder are you still having fun doing this I am. Yeah. I mean, I usually have my buddy Dustin Nickerson on the road with me and he's not here this weekend. Um, but usually he is. And like, even just like having a friend with you to open the show makes such a huge difference. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think it's weekend to weekend and obviously sometimes you're run down or you're not feeling well, or you've been on the road too much. Um, and, uh, I'm definitely on one of those, like, I'm a little run down weeks, uh, but the shows. Are- <laughs> oh, well, that's good for me. <laughs> I, mean, I want I want a game ta- uh, Taylor, not this, you know, <laughs> this Oklahoma City Taylor. Uh, yeah, no, stand up's still really fun, though. It's just there's all this other stuff you have to do now that almost like gets in the way where you finally get to the show and you're like, oh, I spent all day 
promoting this show. And now yeah. I like forgot to look at my jokes. Oh boy. Is it, is it uh podcasts uh, with uh, ex talk show sidekicks or is it local <laughs> radio or, you know, I mean, what, it, what are you doing? That's that they, you know, I mean, you get it. It's like everything it's yeah. It's podcasts. It's radio. It's, you know, calls with various members of your team going, can you make a decision on this or that? And, yeah. Um, like I'm about to do my first theater tour and I just thought, okay, you just show up and you're in a theater instead of a club and it's great. And there's all these things that they need answers on that I just have never thought of where I'm like, I didn't know I had to approve lighting, like stuff like that where you're like, right. I didn't, and none of this occurred to me. So I think it's just easy to get um, overwhelmed whenever you're transitioning uh, in your career, it, not just in standup or, or show business or whatever, but probably just in any, in any career. Um, so I think I'm probably in that, in that, uh, phase of my life right now where I'm kind of like, Whoo, okay, let me just get my bearings here. Well, I think also too, uh, I think most people from, like from 21 to 20, what are you now? 27 ish. 27. Yeah. From 21 to 27. I think most people that's kind of when they're figuring it out sort of. And I mean, you were, you were set, you know, you, you had your thing, you were doing your thing. So I think, you know, you're it's, it's, that is an age when you're sort of like, well, I already said it, figuring things out and what your, what your place is and what you're supposed to be doing. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it, it's late onset or something. I don't know. You know, could be. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very lucky in that I figured out what I wanted to do early on. Cause I know a lot of people in their twenties are like, I don't know what I want my career to be yet. Um, yeah. but those people are usually married. So, you know, everybody's <laughs> succeeding in different areas. Yeah. 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 Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, you are from California, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Orange County, is that right? Uh, Riverside County. So Riverside oh, County. Oh. And um, and what did your folks do? Uh, are you part of the big family? Uh, yeah, I have three younger siblings. Um, my mom died when I was a kid. My dad and uh, my stepmom are in real estate. Okay. And it was a very religious household is, is mm -hmm. sort of the thing. And you talk about that in your act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and um, did, was, I mean, was your dad funny? Like, was he church funny? Was, yeah. like, was, it, a, was it a funny church that you guys went to? Oh, you know, it's not that hard to be a funny church. I think like watching a pastor try to make jokes is pretty painful. Um, I think, I think the funny pastors are usually youth pastors. Mm -hmm. Like I remember we had a really funny youth pastor um, and then our like main pastor would try to make jokes and it was like, no, that's, that's not really <laughs> it. You're more of like the emotional gut punch guy. You, yeah. You know, everybody's got their own strengths uh, as far as preaching goes. But yeah, I mean, I started in church doing stand up. There's like a big church comedy market. So I've, uh, I've heard a lot of Jesus jokes over the years. Right, right. I, see that to me, I mean, I'm not, I, I mean, I, you know, grew up in a very sort of, you know, whatever church was near us kind of way. And, uh, you know, just vaguely white Protestant, whatever. And I can't even think of like what a, a church comic circuit would be even be like. I mean, it's, you know, it just seems it's, you know, it's probably prejudice on my part to think like, well, uh, you know, what can you say that's funny? And I get, you know, I don't know. What can you say that's funny? Like what, what, what are the big topics? Are people really like making fun of Jesus on it? No, I think they're just poking fun at like, it's, it's like observational comedy, but it's about church a lot. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you ever notice how people volunteer in the nursery? Like, it's like stuff like that. Or yeah, yeah. making fun of the Bible stories, but not like the Bible's not real. It's right, just, right. Or they're just doing jokes about like being married and having kids. Like, it's just clean. It's just clean comedy. And like, if you perform in churches, you're going to have a lot of church jokes. I didn't, but I know a lot of guys that did. Um, 
and yeah, it's just a different, I mean, it's like, it's like how there's like a corporate circuit. Yeah. There's yeah. a church circuit. There's I a guess, cruise yeah. ship circuit. Of like, course. And I know like, that, and I know there's clean comedy. So I guess I, you know, I, I just, like I say, it's probably just prejudicial on my part. Um, yeah. But. I mean, it's like, it's just like, it's like doing the tonight show for kids. Yeah. Like it's like, it's not even like TV clean. It's like another level clean. You're right. Right. Um, did, did you, I mean, was the, the, uh, religiousness of your household such that you couldn't watch certain things or listen to certain things? Oh yeah. 100%. My boyfriend just found out that we weren't allowed to watch Rugrats growing up. And he's like, what? Yeah. That's insane. And I'm like, I don't know. Like we just couldn't like Angelica was mean to the babies. So we weren't allowed to watch it. Like we weren't allowed to watch Powerpuff Girls because there was like a bad guy on there that kind of looked like the devil. Like it oh, yeah. was really strict. It was really strict growing wow. up. Wow. And did so did they actually sort of supervise the content and have reasons? Yeah, I think sometimes they just like caught a look at something and they were like, oh, that doesn't look right. And uh like I remember I was I was reading Harry Potter up until like the third movie came out, and I asked my dad to take me to see it, and he just felt like the Dementors and Harry Potter were like demons and he's like, that's evil. And I don't want you watching that. And then I couldn't read Harry Potter anymore. Like it was like, it wasn't like they went look, it's not like he went looking for stuff to take away, but if it, if right. it came across his, his field, field of vision, vision, he was like, yeah, no. Yeah. 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 Um, well, did you ever get to finish Harry Potter books? I did. Yeah. I think I read, I think I read the first five before it was like taken away. And then I finished them like later in high school, I think. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I was not somebody who like broke the rules or anything. So I didn't, I, I could have definitely read that book in secret. I could have read a book in secret. That's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I was so nervous about getting caught that I just didn't do it. And then the last movie came out my senior year of high school. And it was like, I was able to spin it like, oh, can I just go see this movie with my friends? It's more of like a graduation thing. It's I don't even care about the movie. Like, it's just a hangout. And he was like, all right. And that's when I finished the books and stuff. When I'm like, I'm 17. Like, what am I? Right, right. This is ridiculous. And it's also, I always kind of thought, because I had friends that had, you know, their entertainment content would be limited. And it's like, like, if there's a devil looking character in Powerpuff Girls, like, does that lead to drinking goat's blood? Like, what is it actually going to, you know, what's it going to do? I, there's you know. like this emphasis in Christianity to like keep your mind pure. Yeah. Like it's, it's like this thing of like, you can't let things into your brain because it'll just be out of control. Yeah. And so it makes you really like, I think I'm still sort of untangling it as an adult because I, I have so much in there. That's like, don't, don't even think about this stuff. Yeah. Because if you even think about it, you're going to do it or something bad's going to happen. So I think, yeah, it's tough. I mean, so much of religion is just like, I don't want to say religion. So much of the Christianity I grew up with was like, don't, don't let yourself, think anything bad there was no like compassion for yourself of like right. hey you're not like a bad person if you have these very normal thoughts right right I, and that kind of that kind of thinking too always just seems like it's coming from a place of weakness and fear because if this doctrine is so strong it should be able to stand up to harry potter like i should be able to you know, wade through all seven books and watch the movies twice each and come out on the other side, still loving Jesus, like as much as I did before. Um, yeah. you know. Anything with witchcraft is just like dicey for, yeah. for Christianity. Yeah. Right. Like, right. It's not anything that puts magic in your hands and not God's is like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. God's magic. He's the original magic. But he's the only one who gets to be magic. I understand. Okay. He's the only one who gets to have magic. Right. We get it. it. It's like, you think you're God? Right. Exactly. Although Moses, you know, although I guess that was God. 
That was, you know, that wasn't exactly Moses and his magic staff. Uh, so when did you start doing com- uh, comedy? I, I mean, first of all, are your siblings funny? I mean, is it a funny household? And Yeah, my siblings are really funny. I mean, obviously none of them are like in show business because they're healthy, well-adjusted people. <laughs> um, but yeah, all my siblings are really funny. Those are like the people who make me laugh the hardest probably. Um, and uh, what did you say? When did I start doing stand Yeah, yeah. Oh, I started in high school. I started my, my junior year of high school. And it was it was it a class that you and your dad took together or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not a very cool story. We took a we took a stand up class. <laughs> well, it's kind of it's it's not. It's a weird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, we took a stand up class from a from a Christian comedian at a church. Weirdly which, enough, at, which entailed like just standard joke writing, but yeah, yeah. I think we just we just read that book by. Uh, Oh God, I'm forgetting her name. I want to say Judy something. It's like the stand-up Bible or something. Mm, I don't know it. It's just a book. It's just a book about how to write stand-up. Um, and she just basically went off of that. And every week we wrote jokes and we tried them in front of each other and everybody gave notes. And that was kind of the whole class. And then at the end of it, we had like a graduation where all our friends and family had to come watch us do very bad stand-up. Yeah. But I mean, were you hooked? Like, were you sort of like, I want to continue doing this now? And I remember I really loved it right away. I had horrible stage fright, but I I really loved it. But I was too scared to be like, this is what I want to do. Because I didn't think that was like possible, but I did love it so much. And I think it was a couple years. I mean, I had, it wasn't until I was like 18 or 19 that I was like, Oh, okay. I could really try and do this. If I like really try, maybe I could make this a job, but it took a long time. Cause I think it's really hard to wrap your brain around how you even get to be a professional comedian. Cause when you're yeah. a kid, you just don't even, I'm like, I don't even know how you do that. Like, but luckily, you know, Marin had his podcast and stuff and like those early episodes where it was just talking to comedians about how they became comedians was, you know, with the internet and that, like you could figure out how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And a a lot of those early ones were uh, him asking, why are you mad at me to virtually everyone? Are we good now? (laughs) Um, We were never bad. I don't know. Uh, um, (laughs) But do you think that that was compounded by your religious upbringing? That sort of, you know, difficulty in figuring out how to do it? Or do you think that that was just, just, they just coexisted. I think that it's both. Cause you know, growing up, it's not like my parents were like, listen to stand up. I think we listened to like Brian Regan and some Mitch Hedberg, uh, that was on like clean enough to be on like the serious clean comedy station. Yeah. But if I didn't, I think I found out who a lot of people were, I know I watched at least one once. I think I watched like one season of last comic standing and I found out who a lot of people were. And then, um, yeah, just looking like putting stand up comedy into Pandora or YouTube or whatever else, like the internet is really responsible for me knowing what stand up comedy is. Cause yeah. I wasn't going to figure that out in church. Um, and yeah, I think you just, I knew I didn't want to be like a church comedian. I was pretty sure about that, but I definitely could have gone that route and probably made a lot of money. Uh, But I just didn't, I didn't want to do that. And I didn't, but I didn't know how to be something else. I didn't know how to be a quote unquote secular comedian. Yeah. Um, So I think like Pete Holmes podcast started when I was in college. I think that started when I was like 17 or 18. And that was like somebody who was like Christian and doing it and kind of working through that stuff. And that was helpful for me to hear and see. Cause I was like, oh, okay, like this is out there. There are people who are clean and they're still doing clubs and everything and are wrestling with this or that in regards to their faith. 
And uh, I didn't feel particularly religious, but my whole family is so religious that I just didn't want to lose my family. So it took like years for me to accept, like, I don't think you're this. I don't think this is who you are or Mm -hmm. what you believe. And there's not really much you can do about that. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Were you ever under the burden of, like, feeling like you were going to go to hell? Like, you know, like, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I was was so afraid of going to hell. Like, I didn't feel like... I just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine heaven. Like heaven didn't make sense to me, but I was so scared of hell Yeah, that I was always just like, how do I, how do I be good enough that I don't go to hell? I never really thought about like, oh my God, I'm so scared. Heaven isn't real. I was just like, oh God, what if I go to hell? Like if nothing happens, that's fine. But hell sounds horrible. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't believe yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense to be like, God loves me more than anything in the whole world. And he's going to send me to hell yeah. if I don't say the right thing. It's well, like, and also, also that you only believe the punishment part, yeah. the reward part, you can't conceive of, you can't picture it. That seems like, well, that can exist like a reward yeah. for being good, but punishment for being bad, that can, that's for sure. I bet that's there. That's so yeah. funny because I, I mean, in it, the minor religiosity that I ever felt, I was the, I mean, I felt like, oh, I think, yeah, you probably do go somewhere nice. I don't know if there's angels, but whatever. But I just felt, it's like, I don't feel like there's somebody in the sky that cares what you do. You know, it just, it just seems like it just, there's just too many logical flaws with it. Even as a kid, when I went, I mean, I was a youth deacon in our church and, really involved but is a congregational church which is very protestant light anyway but uh it always just seemed like i like the punishment part and then isn't listen i'm fucked up too i'm not trying to say i'm i'm like more mentally healthy but it is it's it's a bummer it's a bummer that that was kind of like where you were coming from yeah and you know i some people raise their kids with an emphasis on forgiveness and acceptance. And some people raise their kids like you should be scared of me and you should be scared of God because that's going to keep you in line or whatever. And right. uh, my, my upbringing was definitely the latter. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I think there are people who stay religious cause they had, they had different parts of the religion modeled for them. Um, more uh more so than the other but fear what my 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 religious experience was very much fear-based i felt yeah when uh if if you were on when you were on uh last comic standing when you were how old when you were 21 was that it i believe i just turned 21 yeah and was was that did you get out of college or did you stop college and start performing I went to three years of college, two and a half, three years. And then I did um, some NACA conferences and I booked like 50 colleges and then was full time doing stand up. I think I booked the colleges like when I was like 20 and then I turned 21 and I was on the road 
um, doing these colleges. And that's when I got the call about last comic. And then I did last comic. And then I did like a comedy central spot. And then I was just, yeah, I was on the road doing various things. Cause I could do corporates and I could do churches and I could open for people at clubs and do this or that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the trajectory of that. And, um, Oh, I, I'm, I meant to ask before when you said that you could be a church comedian and make lots of money, would you be making more, do you think, as a church comedian? I mean, is that like a lucrative market? It's a very lucrative market. Yeah. Wow. It's a really lucrative market. And I mean, mega churches are just theaters. Yeah. When you look at it, it's like these guys were playing like 5,000 seat churches. Yeah. And selling tickets. It's yeah. just another big building to fill with people who bought tickets to see you. Um, and, you know, there are a couple of people who have done both um, where they're able to do huge churches and also like arenas or whatever. Um, and I don't know if I would have been as successful uh, as that, but I do know that there is not, there's not a lot of people in that market. Um, and there are, I can think of like one younger person who's yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they are considerably older than I am. So mm. I I think I could see, like, if I wanted to go that direction, how it would benefit me. But it's like, it's not just like, go do clean jokes. It's like, you have to be this all the time. Yeah. You have to be an example of Christianity all the time. Right. Like No you're, tweets, you're just, no, no Instagram stuff you know no, no you can you just have to be really clean yeah that's I mean, what i mean like no no dirty tweets or or risque no. tweets or challenging tweets yeah you know? i got my last the like last church gigs i was doing i was opening for this like huge church comic um and they fired me they had me on like another run of dates and they fired me because i tweeted something that had like innuendo in it. And it ended up being one of my jokes in my first Conan set. Oh, really? So, yeah. So like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I remember I got fired for that and I had already kind of been like trying to ease out of it, um, of that world, not of that gig necessarily. And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't want to feel like, I don't want to feel reprimanded for doing what I think is pretty tame stuff yeah. uh, in clubs or whatever. Like, I, I'm not... They, like, I remember someone emailed them once too. like, there was some clip of me at flappers where like, all I said was like, you know, when someone's just like being a dick to you and they like sent, they like sent that guy's like business manager, like a, like a fucking clip of me going like, is this the type of comedy you support? And I'm just like, I, this is so stupid. This yeah, is yeah. so stupid. And you were so backing yourself into a corner I mean, talk about fucking cancel culture. Like, yeah, yeah. it's next level. And I just couldn't, I couldn't see myself living in fear like that forever. So I'm very glad that I did not go that direction. Yeah. When you start, like how, well, first of all, where'd you go to college? I don't, I, I don't know that. Um, I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Oh, okay. And then I transferred to, there's like nothing in. San Luis Obispo, like in terms of like comedy, I think they do a festival. Yeah. Um, but there's no like comedy club. There's like, there's nothing out there. So then I transferred to uh, community college um, back down by San Diego and just went there for like a year and a half. And then I transferred to Cal State San Marcos. Um, Cause I didn't really have like a dream college. Like I was a really good student. I had like a 4.1 GPA, but like I didn't have some dream college I wanted to go to. Yeah. Um, I was just like, oh, I should just go. That's like the best place I got into. And also it's cheaper. Like I just didn't. Right. You know, I didn't have well, that. You had your, your eye on something else, you know, that, that seemed, you know, where college was kind of, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, I got a 20 year old son, so I'm not going to sit here and say like, eh, college doesn't matter that much. Cause I'm still in that cheerleading mode of like, yes, college, go college. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, why bother when you probably, from the beginning of college had a pretty good idea what you were going to do with yourself. I think in the beginning of college, I just thought I was going to be a teacher 
if, if I had to do that, like, but yeah, I didn't really know. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I knew what I wanted to do, yeah. but there were points where I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll be a teacher and then I'll do stand up on the weekends. Like that's, yeah. And just like, I'll do it as a hobby or something. Cause I just loved it. It wasn't like, if this is, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not going to do this. I was just like, Oh, this is like something that makes me feel like myself. Yeah. And I want to do that whenever I can. Did you get a lot of pushback when you started, when you dropped out of college or stopped college and, and started doing dates? No, I think because when I, I think initially my parents were actually like, take a semester off and see what happens. Like they were like that. And then when I was like, I'm just going to drop out because I have all this work. They were kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, you can, you can always go back was like yeah. their thing. It yeah, wasn't, yeah. I don't know if they thought I was never going to go back. Um, but I didn't get a ton of pushback on it because I was going to be making money. Um, it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go live in my car. Yeah. Yeah. Move to New York or whatever. Like it, <laughs> I was pretty responsible about it. So right. It didn't freak them out too much. I don't think. Yeah. And when you've got it, it'd be one thing if you had like five dates, but if you had a whole tour of dates booked then yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the parents were it's just like, are you, are you going to make a living? Okay. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. See you later. Uh, I mean, there's the obvious question. Uh, when you start transitioning into doing more personal stuff, more, you know, t stuff that isn't just clean. Um, what was that like? You know, how, what sort of upheaval did that cause in your life? I think at first, you know, your parents don't watch you do stand up all the time. So they don't really know. And your extended family doesn't really know. So like, I don't know. I did my first Conan set and I did some jokes that were edgier, but I ran them past my parents first to like, let them know. And at first they were proud and then like had an issue with it later. And I'm like, I kind of showed this to you before I put it on TV. So I, yeah. I don't know what you want from me. Do you mind, do you uh, mind kind of like what they telling us at least what they are about, if not telling us the joke? Yeah. I mean, I had a joke about my dad, not thinking that, um, like gay people should be allowed to get married or something or something like that. Yeah. And I ran it past him before the set came out and he was kind of like, yeah, that's how I feel. Um, and, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then like, after it came out, he was like, so cool to see you on Conan, you know? And then like two days later, he was really mad at me. It's like, he like thought about it for a while and then he was really mad at me. Um, for doing it. Cause it was like, I was making fun of his beliefs, but he's not allowed to make fun of mine. Like it was just, it was not great. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't, they saw me on like the tonight show like a year later. And that was cool. Cause the tonight show, you have to be really clean. Like you can't really be edgy on the tonight show. Yeah. And, but I was doing it to promote my 15 minute little mini special that came out on Netflix and the comedy lineup. And that had, edgier jokes in it that were not clean. And so they watched that like two days later. And then I just didn't hear from them for like a week. And yeah. I called them and was like, what did you think? And they were like, we're disappointed in you. Like it was like, not good. Um, but after that, it was just like, they, I was like, well, they know now, like I've told them, like I'm not clean anymore. And yeah. now they've actually seen it. And they just kind of stopped watching stuff, which is yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. Like, I think it's weird when your parents are like, they're like proud of you. Cause they're, they're proud that you're successful. They're like, Oh wow. Look, isn't it cool that they're successful, but they would rather you were doing it a different way. Like they'd rather I was clean. Yeah. So I, it's weird where I'm like, I mean, I'm really successful and that is, makes you look cool, but like, I'm talking about sex. So does that make you embarrassed? Like, so you're just going to like enjoy that I'm successful, but not look at anything I do. Like, I, I don't, it's like a weird. I don't and know. it's, and I'm, you're still dealing with it, still sorting it out. I imagine. Cause you know, it's, it, I, I, I mean, I'm on your side. <laughs> I just, you know, and as a parent, I just can't, I can't imagine like, you know, I, I just, I can't imagine my kids 
Well, because like I would say like the analog, if my kids said like if my son wanted to be a proud boy, like Mm -hmm. would I be okay with that? And I wouldn't, you know, like I would say like this isn't. I, 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 you know, it's hard to frame it like that because it's like, you know, the, to talk about religion, you're talking about something that, is, you know, is an afterlife and that there's some sort of like, you know, God that's, that's controlling things and watching you. Whereas with Proud Boys, you're just talking about not liking black people, you know, and, and it's like, so it's not yeah. like, like that you can that's pretty concrete stuff. You know, it's not because it's this whole thing about, it's just a difference of beliefs. Like, no, it's, it's not, it's not not. like, I don't believe that there's two different kinds of people who are entitled to different things. You know, one is lesser than the other. Like, so, but it just, it's, I mean, it it just kind of breaks my heart to hear you say this stuff. Cause it's just, it's, it's, they're ultimately, I mean, in addition to making your life difficult, they're missing out. They're missing out on on the full experience of who their daughter is. You know? Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bum you out in your Oklahoma no, City No, no, no. Trust room. me. It is, it is ongoing. It's, uh, look, I had therapy yesterday. I'm doing all right. Like, we just... <laughs> we just you know, everyone's got their stuff. Literally yeah. everyone has their stuff. I think it's way weirder when people are like, my parents are my best friends and they come to everything I do. I'm just yeah. like, really? Wow. Yeah, All yeah. right. Like, I think that's, yeah, that's so much too much less common. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, We have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? When did you, did you start, when did you start therapy, if I may ask? Um, I mean, I was going been kind of on and off where like I started going I went in high school for a while oh, okay yeah because I was like pretty depressed um and then I think I stopped going when I went to college so I went for like a year and a half in high school and then I didn't go again until a few years ago so maybe when I was like 23 maybe I started going again yeah and it was again like it's hard to find someone you like so then I was went to someone online for a little while and then I stopped for a little while and I found somebody else for whatever, like a year and a half. And then that one didn't work out because she was like, I can only see you in person. I just traveled too much. So if somebody's yeah, like, yeah. I can't do phone sessions or I can't do zoom or whatever, um, I can't really, I don't really, I can't really see you then. Um, So then I started seeing somebody else during the pandemic after like maybe six months of not seeing anybody. And, uh, I've seen her in person like twice. I've been seeing her for over a year now and she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and the last one I saw too was, was really helpful and helped me get to the bottom of a lot of stuff, but, uh, it's hard. It's not fun. Therapy is really not fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been going to the same guy for, Mm, possibly 30 years now, at, wow. least, at least 25. Wow. And when I say going to the same guy since 2000, I've lived in LA and he's been in New York. So wow. since 2000, it's been phone sessions, 
which isn't optimal. It, it, it just plain old isn't, but you can learn how to deal with it. But yeah, I've, so it, it's definitely doable. And I think it's silly for someone to, for, I mean, everybody can do what they want with their business, but it just seems like, yeah, I mean, especially now, I mean, I can't imagine those, those same therapists are saying, I can't, I can only see in person because they'll lose their their lease. You know, they they won't have a place to practice. Um, yeah, I think I think COVID probably changed that a lot. I think probably a lot of people do like telehealth appointments now. Yeah, did how was COVID for you? I mean, what was your COVID experience like? Because you definitely had to stop going on the road. Yeah my my Netflix special came out a week before everything shut down. So it was like the biggest thing to ever happen in my career. And then a week later, everything was gone. And mm. oh Jesus. it was, you know, my agents and stuff were like, it's a great time to have a special out. Everybody's stuck at home. Everyone's watching stuff. But the longer it went on, the more I was like, oh, wow. Like maybe by the time everything comes back, I will have like missed my window of opportunity here. And like, everybody will have forgotten that this came out and that I did this. And I, I, I just there, I mean, you know how it was like, you were like, I don't know if we're all going to die. Like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. So it was definitely strange because my like social media following is going up. And like, when I went out to get takeout, sometimes you would get recognized occasionally. And like, so that was all weird. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure if anything was going to come back. I am dating a comedian and we were locked down together. And so we didn't even really take time off. Like we just immediately started panicking about the fact that we couldn't work. Mm. So then we like did a like social media web series and like started a podcast and just were like, frantically spinning our wheels, doing stuff. And that was great because it kept us from going insane. And then we were like, he had just put something out as well. He just put out a special as well. So we were just doing press all the time on the phone and on zoom. And it was, uh, it was all, we were very busy for like the first few months. And then like, it kind of started slowing down and then it was just, nothing was getting better. And then we were like doing outdoor shows in the fall and then that kind of got worse and worse until you like didn't feel right doing shows anymore. Yeah. And now that there's a vaccine, you're like, okay, like now that people are vaccinated and there's like a way to do this more safely and like, we can't stay shut down forever. It's, it's different. Obviously it's like way better, but um, in like January, like December and January, it was like kind of like a second lockdown and, that was, that one was really tough because I had gone like five months without doing any stand up, and then I did a bunch of outdoor shows for like a couple months, and then it was like back to just being stuck at home um, when it got really bad in LA again. And then everyone got vaccinated or started getting vaccinated, and I've been back on the road since like I don't know late February, maybe like mm -hmm. it was before I got vaccinated. Um, but I was just at a point where I was like, you know what, I, I got to get back out there and like, I'll get vaccinated soon. And I hope that I don't get it before then. Um, but once I got back on the road, um, I was like, oh, I like sell out club weekends now. Like this is completely different than what my life was beforehand because of the special. Um, oh, that's good. So it did yeah. have some staying power over the, over the break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Were you guys living together before COVID or did you move no. in together because of COVID? We were long distance because he's from New York. So we were long distance and just kind of like on the road every weekend and like kind of going back and forth where like I would come to New York for a week or something and then we'd be apart for like a week and a half and then he'd come to LA for, you know, five days or whatever. So it was, it was very um, inconsistent. And so we, he just happened to be in LA when everything shut down. 
Mm-hmm. And luckily, like I had a two bedroom apartment at the time. It was like a much better situation than it would have been in his apartment in New York. Yeah. Um, and New York was really bad at the time. And so I remember like us looking at each other and being like, okay, should you go home? Like, I don't want to make, cause we didn't know if they were going to like, sh- I, at one point it was like, are, are people going to be able to get back to New York? Are they going to like shut it down? Like yeah, yeah. nobody was sure. And he was just like, all right, like, we'll all stay here and it'll be like a couple weeks. And then it was like, oh, maybe it'll be a month. And like, it just kept going. And he ended up, he was in LA for five months before yeah. he And this back. is Sam Morrill, by the way, for, yes. for, uh, for yeah. people who's a very, very funny stand up too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but I mean, was that, a, was it rough, you know, like to sort of be forced together like that? Or was there a nice aspect to it? I mean, it got, it got harder because, I mean, I can't imagine being away from home for five months and that's yeah. what he was and that got tough. But like, yeah, at first, I mean, it's those first few months, especially like we hadn't spent that much time, not only together, but like really with anybody we dated. Yeah. Like, I've never been with somebody every day yeah, for yeah. five months. Like that's never been a thing. Yeah. Um, and it was actually like, it was great. Like we, I think it could have been bad with somebody mm-hmm. else. And we were just like, Oh, we live, we coexist really well together. And we were working on stuff together. And like, we just hadn't, we hadn't had a lot of time together. And so for us at first, it felt like some like fun sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, this is great. Like, okay, so we can't work for a month. Like this is forcing us to take a break. Um, and then as it got scarier and scarier, that was hard, but it would have been so much harder. Um, separate. I yeah. Think. Did, did working together on things, I mean, is there, because it's, you know, I mean, when you, when you and your partner are in the same field, especially a field like stand-up comedy in which, you know, kind of it's defined by you getting all the attention, you know, like, like every performer is on stage by themselves and I, you know, and I'm sure you've been asked this, but I mean, is there, is there a competitive side to, to you guys' relationship and, and was working together a good thing or just a neutral thing? I think it was a good thing. I mean, people always ask me that people always ask me, like, are you guys competitive with each other? And I don't feel that way. I think, I think we're in very different places. Obviously he's, you know, like he, he's like, seven, eight years older than me and he's been doing it longer and um, is just in a different place than than I am um, that I can't really compete with. I think he works harder than anybody I know. And that like is very motivating for me. So Mm -hmm. in that way, I guess you could say I feel competitive, but it's, it's mostly just like, Oh, I hope I can work as hard as that. Like, I hope that I, you know, have the same reputation that I know he does of just Mm -hmm. like being such a hard worker and such a great comic. So, um, yeah, I don't think of it as me being competitive, but I guess you could say it that way. I, I feel very motivated and I feel like I'm, it pushes me. Yeah. I imagine most of the people that ask it are comics or actors or people in show business because we're all used to the, to the feeling of envy when someone we love and, you know, like a friend gets an opportunity, we're all used to that pang of like, Oh, why not me? You know? And then, right. you know, if you're healthy, it go, it passes, you let it pass through you and you move on and, you know, other people hang on to it. But I mean, I also will tell you, I know plenty of intra showbiz couples where there's a lot of competition and right. it's not great. You know, name, it is, names. no, no, no <laughs> I will not. Um, but I mean, and it, and it ebbs and flows too. that the sense of competition, you know, it like, it's, it's like it uh, rears its head every now and then. And it, and it's rough. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard. It's just, it's also too. There's just like, it's like, you know, just a, a big, basket of damaged goods all hungry for something and wanting something and that'll make them whole and and you know 
and then it never does anyway. So we all ought to just calm down. Right. Yeah, yeah. I try. If I ever feel that like pang you're talking about with like friends of mine or people in this business, I usually feel it when I feel like I didn't work hard enough and that's why I didn't get something or like mm. I could have gotten something and I didn't. And it's, it's, I could have done something more, but if it's like somebody who got something for a reason that I just don't have, like if friends of mine get like, I don't know, like an acting role, I'm like, I can't act, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. I think it depends I think people feel competitive with people who are doing exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So I may feel that way with other comedians, but if I feel it with other comedians, it's people probably similar to me. Yeah. Like if, if somebody gets something, they're a totally different act than you. Like that was never going to be yours. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, yeah, yeah. that was not your spot. Like nobody right. your spot, but if you are trying to be the best version of, whatever the industry sees you as and somebody in your genre, I guess, gets something that you were up for. I understand that. But when people are like, I don't know how that person got this or like, I don't know, what's a good example? Like when standups are like, Oh, it's so stupid that this like Instagram, this like TikTok person is selling out a night at a comedy club. It's like, well, we can't do what they're doing. Like whatever they're yeah. doing for their audience, that's yeah. not that's not our audience. That's yeah. not what we do. So, you know, if someone does sketches on Instagram and they they sell out a club weekend and comics are grumbling like, "Oh, that's ridiculous. They should." It's like, then go do what they did. Right, go, exactly. Go do those Tick, sketches. TikToks TikToks right there. Go ahead. Yeah, you know? go do it. It's yeah. it's hard. It's you have to be Yeah. I think you just have to like keep your eyes on your own paper for the most part. And if you are going to feel competitive, make sure it's with the right people. Yeah. And I also think that those, because there's no like filtration system that's picking and choosing talent on TikTok, these are just people that are stepping forward and going blah. And, you know, like, here's my thing. And Mm -hmm. there's, no manager saying it. There's no club person putting them on stage. They're just expressing whatever content they have. And who the fuck knows whether or not it's going to take off? They don't. Like none of these people, uh, you know, I don't think initially are like super calculating. They're just doing it. They're just kids doing it. And then like, oh, shit, you know, they strike a nerve with kids. And I mean, and you know, and I'm so much of that I'm. I mean, you're closer to it than I am, but so much of it, I just like, I don't even get what the fuck they're talking about. And I don't even mean referential. I just mean like, I don't know what's funny about this or, or I don't know why this has a gazillion views. You know, it's just, it's a different world and you can't, you know, you can't bitch about it. You can't bitch about it because it's also like, there was older people bitching about you and, you know, and why you didn't deserve it too. So do you really want to be that person? Yeah. I think this business is really unfair. And um, as somebody who's been really fortunate and really lucky in this business, I, I really, I don't think there's any, like, I just don't think there's any room to be, jealous or competitive with people in a way that's not healthy. Like, I think you can let other people's success motivate you to work harder, but I think you can be happy for people and also feel that pang of like, Oh shit, I got to work harder. Yeah. And so that's like the competitiveness that I think serves you. Um, as opposed to just like blind jealousy of like, well, they only got it because of this, that, and the other thing. And it should have been me. I think it needs, you need to, in this business, you have to get into that mindset of like, how do I make sure it's me next time? Yeah. How great for them that it was them instead yeah. of that should have been me. Instead, right. instead, just think, why wasn't it? Yeah. And also, if you're going to say, oh, that was luck, you know, well, you got to wait till the luck carousel swings and picks you up. You know, it just, right. it's like, you can't, you can't blame them. You can't blame yourself if you if it's like oh that was just luck well 
you know, why aren't you lucky? Um, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, obviously Sam is very, very successful. And I think it's, it would be different if one of us was not doing well, or like one of us was like a new comedian or something. I yeah. don't think that would work. Yeah. But yeah. like, we're both headliners. We're both touring headliners, which is like very hard to do. And yeah. uh, we're both very fortunate and lucky and successful in our own respect. So there's no um, comparing rooms. Like, you know, my room is 300 people. Well, my room is 2000 people. Oh, I thought you meant hotel rooms. No, 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 no. Well, like, or that, I don't know. Narrow than yours. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've definitely, I have definitely had times where it's tough for me because he's been doing it longer than I have. Yeah. Um, I do feel like this need to prove myself just in general. And so I think I've gotten in my head sometimes where I'm like, oh man, I hope like, you know, he'll do comedy clubs before I do them. Like he'll be there like two weeks before me. And then my weekends in two weeks and I'm on stage going, man, I hope I'm, I hope I'm killing as hard as he was. Like it's mm-hmm. going like the show's going well. And I'm just in my head going, man, I hope the staff isn't like, wow, she's not as good as that guy. Like you're just stuff like that, which is not helpful. Um, It's not, it's not at all. So in that way, yeah, probably I get competitive. And that stuff it's, I tell you, it's always going to be there a little bit. All you can do is just quiet that voice because it's like, you know, it's insecurity. Yeah. And then you're always going to be somewhat insecure. I mean, it's like, I remember hearing once Dustin Hoffman saying, like, you know, after every job, he feels like he won't work again. And it's like, what? You know, that's crazy. But, uh, you know, I think it's just in us. It's just in this, you know, this, I mean, for fuck's sake, we're getting up in front of people uh, seeking their approval and, you know, and like, hard evidence that they approve like laughs we want to know for sure that you like us and you know like yeah that kind of person is probably always going to carry around a little bit of am i good enough is this enough you know yeah am i enjoying this um now when you said that you don't act is that just something you've come did you find that out the hard way or i mean i can but i yeah I'm not like an actress. I'm not yeah. like somebody who like studied or like has worked with an acting coach or anything like that. Like if I'm, if I'm going to do acting, like I want it to be something that I think is funny and preferably something I worked on. Yeah. Um, like I don't, I'm not somebody who's like auditioning all the time because I, I don't feel that that's my strength, like my strength. I think yeah. my strength is stand up and acting opportunities come out of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've got my own stuff I've been developing over the years that has been my focus more so than like, can I get this part in this pilot that I don't really think is very good? Right. No, I, well, I just meant that like, you know, expanding your comedy into, into narrative, you know, kind of story mm-hmm. comedy, as opposed to being on stage and doing standup. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, whether or not you're auditioning for things. And I would also tell you, uh, for comedy acting, you don't need to, you know, it's just, <laughs> you just do it. You know, it's like, right. you just, you just do it. It's like, you know how, you know how this line, you know, like, you know, like, but where did the parrot go? You know, like, you know how to say that line, right? you know? Right, right. So it's just like, just do it. You know, right. I get, I get a little, I don't know. I mean, I, if you're Meryl Streep, you're Meryl Streep. And if you're going to be in some heavy, drama then yeah i guess there's some technique there but for the most part i just feel like you know what to do you know yeah, but just you know, be some that person are better you know? actors than other comedians and yeah just, that's true it's just is what it is like yeah yeah it's yeah. weird to see someone who who knows how to be on stage and knows how to sell a joke be a terrible actor like that's always right. very because it's like wait don't you uh, and just somewhere it just doesn't work and it's the same thing i know people you know, I mean, you know, like having done a zillion Conan bits where we use people that aren't actors who are good talkers, funny people, express themselves well. Yet if you go, here's your lines, they just it becomes wooden and bad, you know, and it's just it's something you got to it's like some filter that's not there for people that can do it. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned the projects that you have 
coming up? I mean, what are, do you have long-term goals at this point? Do you see, do you have some sort of picture of your future that you're visualizing and aiming and it, it's on your dream board back at home, your vision board? Yeah. I just want to keep doing stand-up specials every couple years and I want, would like to make a movie. Um, you know, it's one of the things where you're like, not very much. I don't have a ton of goals, but like, that's a lot to ask for. Yeah, Those sure. Of course. Things. So I'm like, yeah, maybe we just stop right there. Nah, uh, push your luck. I always push your luck. <laughs> I might as well, you know, you, you, you're here for a reason. You enjoyed success. You know, that's, I left the Conan show the first time after seven years. Cause I felt like, I mean, I felt a little bit like I was walking over ground. I'd walked over uh, already. It was never anything that I'd set out. Like he wanted to do that. And I, you know, I wanted to be an actor. And uh, so I decided like, hey, I'm, you know, I've enjoyed this success. And I could sit here and be Pollyanna and go, oh, no more for me. You know, my my plate is full for the rest of my life. But I was like, no, I, I got to see. I got to I got to push it, you know. And then I came crawling back uh, nine years later. No, I mean, I mean, I had, you know, I, I, I tried it. I did it. I don't, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I still got it. I got it. I have a roof over my head and I, I'm too well fed. So it's like, it, it it's working just fine. But um, yeah, don't, don't ever feel like you're asking too much, you know, let's ask, ask. You know, um, well, what do you, uh, I imagine there's probably younger comics than you who are asking you for advice or, you know, what, what you've kind of learned along the way. Um, I mean, and what you've learned about your own sort of process. I mean, you know, well, and this is sort of, this is an adjunct question because that's the this ending question, but I always wonder with standups, like, does the material you write, does it become self-discovery sometimes? Like, does is there a therapeutic aspect to it where you, you're writing a joke and then you reach some sort of conclusion to a sort of a, a sticking point in your, in your yeah, psychic health? Or your- absolutely. I, my last therapist said to me once, she was like, maybe just keep some of this between us for a while. Don't, don't like put it on stage right away. And I was like, oh, all of these are bits already. Like, Everything that I'm talking to you about has already been a bit. Uh, I that's how I figured out I was supposed to talk to you about it. Like my first stop is jokes, and I think I've gotten better at that in recent years. Where like now I will work through something before I put it on stage instead yeah. of like talking about it on stage to work through it initially because I don't know how healthy that is. It's but yeah, not. I'll tell you, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think um, working through something privately and then writing jokes about it is very very cathartic for sure. Yeah. And even though it's your, I mean, I also feel like even though it's your own material over time, I have seen, you got to really separate what's yours and what's showbizes, you know, yes. like what's, what it, what's yours and you, and then what's like your product, you yes. know, and your, and the stuff that you're making that you're, you know, putting out on the table and putting price tags on, you know, and they're jokes, but, they're, but, you know, but it is, it's, it's easy for that to overlap. Um, yeah. And I'm always leery of when people that I know sort of make their personal life or their, their actual persona part of the, part of the business, you know, it's right. always like, that's, that's, doesn't I never I don't ever feel like that ends well. I always feel like there's some psychic price that you're paying for that uh, right. down the road. But anyway, so would, do you have advice for people? Do you think like um, anyone who asks me for stand up advice, I just say what everyone else does, which is write and perform as much as you possibly can. Like the only way to get better at this is to do it. There's no like do this in your room alone every day for a year and you'll get better. Like you just have to go do it. Do you have any uh, specific advice for people that might be trying something that's difficult for the people from where they come, you know, like that, you that, um, yeah, you just know, that, realize that that's not your audience. And if those people in your family weren't your family, they probably wouldn't like what you do either. Like, it's just, you're just not their cup of tea and that's okay. They yeah. don't have to, 
they don't have to like what you do. Just like not everybody is going to like what you do. Right, right. And you don't have to like what they do either. So there, you know. Well, it's fine. <laughs> well, Taylor Tomlinson, I'm going to let you get back to your Oklahoma City life. Uh, okay. You got any plans this afternoon? Any big plans this afternoon? Nope, no big plans. Just going just gonna to go over my set and, uh, you know, wait to do shows in a few hours and real glamorous out here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, knock them dead. And uh, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, my theater tour starts next week. I don't know when this comes out, but uh, September 16th, we're starting in Minneapolis. Um, you can get tickets at ttomcomedy.com. Uh, this month is starting in Minneapolis on the 16th and 17th, St. Louis on the 18th. Uh, then I go to Tampa and Orlando, uh, San Francisco, Sacramento, Chico. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of other ones. And then more tagged on. All right. Well, I, 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 uh, I wish, uh, vaccinated houses for you. Thank Uh, you so much. Mask wearing (laughs) laughter. Uh, thank you so much. and well, thank you for spending your time and thank you out there for spending your time here on the three questions. And we'll be back next week with more of this. Got a big, big love for you. The three questions with Andy Richter is a team Coco and your wolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.